Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's time for the VolQuest podcast, where we dissect the biggest news items of the week. Hey, good Tuesday, everybody, and welcome into the Ball Quest podcast. It is brought to you by Exterior Home Solutions for a free estimate, 865-524-5888. Free estimate, 865-524-5888. Big thanks to Exterior Home Solutions, the title sponsor, presenting sponsor here, the Ball Quest uh, podcast. Big week coming up. Whole lot of football, spring practice set to conclude the final week here. Um, they got practice later today. You got it on Thursday. And then, of course, uh, they're going to have their Fast Friday before the Orange and White game coming up on Saturday. A big recruiting weekend in the rearview mirror. And then, of course, there'll be some guys here on campus throughout the week trying to take advantage of seeing spring practice up close and personal. So uh, a big week coming up for Josh Heupel and his football program. And and also, I just kind of want to start there before we really talk spring practice. You know, Friday and Saturday, Tennessee picked up three commits, two for the class of 2024, one for 2025 to get things started it's a big weekend for Tennessee and in positions where yeah they might be project players here for these two tackles but positions of importance because there's not a whole lot of tackles on the roster yeah there was no fasting on Friday this past week as far as recruiting they ate big um you know got a couple of commits uh, on Friday uh, one of 2025 um and then of course you look at the 2024 and, and Jesse Perry uh, a large human uh, a guy who's, you know, still very raw, um, you know, I think physicality-wise, Hubbard uh, brings a lot to the table, and I think that goes back to him playing in a run-heavy offense. I mean, they basically almost run the single wing there at Middle Tennessee Christian, and, you know, I, I think that, you know, there's going to be parts of him that are going to be ahead of the game, and then there'll probably be some parts like pass pro where, you know, he's a little bit behind, and so you just hope that uh, he can pick up on it quickly, but the smart kid, and like I said, you can't teach size. And then, of course, on uh, Saturday, uh, offensive lineman from the state of Colorado. And, uh, you know, when you look at kind of what Tennessee's gotten done the last couple of days, it's it's hard not to get excited about, you know, kind of where this class is right now because they're still in it with some heavy hitters. And I know some people on the board, oh, I mean, another three-star lineman, another three-star lineman. Guys, there's a lot of linemen that are three-stars. Here's what you got to hope, though, Hubbard, is you can be a, a, a real player with Brandon Baker. You can find a way to be a, a deep player for Daniel Calhoun. You can find a way to, you know, be in line for a couple of other big-time offensive linemen. And then you sprinkle in, you know, th- these these linemen around them, you know, with, with you know, Ginther and with, with Perry. And, you know, I mean, Gage Ginther, I think, is going to be someone who continually – rises up the rankings over the course of the next seven or eight months. He just seems like a Nathan Laycock to me, a guy that, you know, the more people see him, the more people around him, the more they like him and the more he gets, you know, I guess, bumped up and, and rated higher and higher. Well, I, I think when you look at this, well, on, on Ginther, I think they're going to have to continue to recruit him. I, I had a text from somebody after, right after he committed, said he was the best player in the state of Colorado. And, and that, you know, everybody in 
people in the West are going to continue to come after him. So Tennessee, I think, is going to have to recruit that one pretty heavily. I do think his stock will rise. Here's the other thing, too. We've talked about this a few weeks on, on the podcast. Uh, you, you, need a, you need a healthy number of offensive linemen in this class. Yep. It, it, it's great to say you're going to go out and get four more Darnell Wrights. That's not realistic. You know what I mean? No, nobody's sweeping – Nobody's sweeping that category um, in terms of landing, you know, impact offensive linemen across the board. So what are you doing? You're building a base, and then you're going to swing hard for the big names that Austin just mentioned. What you don't want to do is only focus on swinging hard for those big names. And if you swing and miss, then you find yourself in late November in a teetotal scramble mode for some guys that are real reaches. Okay, that are, that are hardcore reaches. These are de- developmental guys, but most of the offensive line position is a developmental position. You, you don't play a ton of freshmen. If your program's in good shape, you don't want to have to play a ton of freshmen. No offense to uh, all those guys that, that came in and had to play their first year. That's great that they survived and played. Darnell will tell you he survived his first year. He wasn't ready for college football. It was try to survive. Same for Wanye Morris and – you can go back through the years, uh, Austin, of guys who just survived that first year. Which is why, and I think you and Grant will agree, you have to go the high school route and develop. But you also, in today's modern world of, of kind of recruiting and, and, and that type of thing, you've got to go to the portal for offensive linemen. Like, I think that is – that's a position where every year – it's kind of like every year you take a quarterback. I think every year you should be going to the portal for an a veteran offensive lineman. Maybe it's a tackle, maybe it's a center, maybe it's a guard, whatever. But I think that the portal is a, is your friend um, at that position more so than a lot of others. And it will be for Tennessee. Yeah, I think yeah. so too. I mean, you look at what they've done the past two off seasons. You went out and find a, you know, found a starting tackle last off season to Gerald Mincy, and sure, he split some time with JJ Crawford and all that, but he played significant time last year. You go out and find a tackle and a guard this year, and you know John Campbell is probably going to play a whole lot of snaps for you, and and Andre Kirik has an opportunity to win a starting position. So, Brent, yeah, I think the the transfer portal is awesome. Put it's going to be a, a nice friend, but again, it, you can't only rely on the portal you got to you got to recruit sign those guys develop those guys but also the portals there to kind of help you bridge gaps or complete a starting five well grant i mean if your program is where it's supposed to be and where you're trying to get it to the portal should be just a a stop gap to fill a spot tyler steen last year went to alabama because alabama had a singular need that they they had on the offensive line for immediate help. That, that's where you want to get to if you're a football program. Um, and, you know, Tennessee's getting there. I don't know that they're completely there yet, but that's that's what you want your football program to be. And I do think you're always going to look at big men in the transfer portal on both sides of the line of scrimmage. Here's my question. I'll put Austin on the spot since Austin talked about offensive line being friendly to the – what are the friendliest position groups to the portal – in your opinion, outside of just that offensive line? Like where where, where should a good program's priorities be in terms of you're getting somebody out of the portal from this position group or these position groups that can help you? I, I would go offensive line. Um, I don't disagree that you could go on either side of the line with just big man, period. Um, I would go quarterbacks. You know, that's an area where, like, you know, if, if you're a, a brand-new coach and, and you've got to flip the script – 
you can flip it with a quarterback. It's kind of like a point guard in basketball or a big man in basketball. Um, you know, those are fewer and far, you know, I guess, few and, you know, more far between, you know, when you think about, you know, there's not a plethora of quarterbacks, but I think it, it's a friendly position, you know, if you hit on the right guy. And then I would go secondary. You know, I think that you can find some quality DBs. I think Tennessee found a quality DB in, in, in Gabe. I really like him. Uh, some about his mental makeup, and I think he's athletic enough and just kind of smart football-wise. Well, I think it's about need. I mean, I, you know, in, you, you're talking about which are the more position-friendly guys. I mean, it's it's what are you looking for? Quarterback, there's always going to be good players in the portal because there's only one football and that there's only one guy at that position. So I think there's always going to be a quality quarterback or two or three or four in the portal because it's a backup guy, Grant, who's tired of sitting, right? He, he just he wants to play. Then I think you look at when you're looking for specific positions, I think you're going to look at group of five players who are looking to move up, who are looking for a bigger showcase, uh, who maybe were under-recruited in high school, have become a better player, and they're playing in a program that's not in competition for a championship. You know, that that type of thing to fill your need along the way there. Um, there's always going to be a plethora of running backs and wide receivers in the portal. I, I think there's always going to be that. But I think you have to be – you have to screen through those very, very – a lot because most most schools play a lot of guys at those two positions. So why is a guy leaving? I think you gotta. I think you gotta really screen those two positions out really hard. And not not only need, but also context. Like Austin said, if you're a new coach and you're looking for that quarterback, it's probably a completely different way you're looking at the portal. If you're an established head coach and you've got your roster somewhat where you want it uh, in terms of numbers, in terms of competition at certain positions. So it's not only, I guess, just need, but also context in terms of who, who you got, how long you've been there, stuff like that. Well, sure. I mean, look in the state of Alabama right now. Nick Saban is going to cherry pick at a position of need. Gus Malzahn basically said after the A game on Saturday, hey, we're open to anybody in the portal that we think can help us. Translation, I don't have enough good players as I make my transition into getting guys in who fit my system. Who, who said that, Brent? Gus, uh, not Gus Malzahn. <laughs> Well, Hugh Freeze, I'm sorry. They've run through one, of those, one of those Auburn coaches that wears well, They've run through about as many as Tennessee Auburn. has through the last few years. Very Hugh Freeze said that. But but to your point, Grant, I mean, it, it is about context, and it is about where you were at in your program, right, Austin? I mean, Josh Heupel, year one, it was open season in the transfer portal. We just need bodies. Now they're looking in some specific areas. They needed a tackle. They wouldn't got a tackle. They need a corner, you know, because they're bringing in a bunch of freshmen. They wanted a bridge guy there. They wanted a bridge guy at linebacker. They went and got two guys who were going to make impacts. So it, it's it's about where you're at in your program for sure. Yeah, I mean, you you want yeah, – I'm interested to hear what Bowden White has to say Saturday. What does he say? Oh, come on, Austin. <laughs> <laughs> I drank some of Aunt B's magic elixir this morning, right? You're not on a piano bench. You're not on a piano bench. No, I'm not. Are you? Yeah. I can't tell. Are you? you got no, to spin I knew around. it was a mistake Appreciate to have those two on. Hey, Hubbard Kane doesn't even know who Bowden White is. <laughs> former former uh, Auburn coach, right? Oh, uh, yeah. Keep Way going, back in the day. Keep going, Kane. <laughs> uh, you look at this class of 24, Austin, and, uh, of course, you bring in two tackle bodies, and we'll get to the 25 commit here in just a second. But, uh, again, it, it's a top 10 class right now, right? It's a seventh in the nation um, for the for the national rankings per on three. 
but you've got positions that are kind of your cornerstones of the class. You have your quarterback, right? You have some highly rated four-star prospects at key positions like tight end for this offense, cornerback, you have an impact at receiver, and then you have some other guys that you sprinkle in there that you think can really help you. As far as the start for the class of 2024 in terms of those pillars, looks like Tennessee's doing a pretty decent job. Yeah, doing a decent job. And again, they're in play with some, you know, some big time guys. They just got to land their share. They can't whiff. Nobody expects them to land them all. And so, you know, do they find another tight end to go with with, with Jonathan Eccles? Do they, you know, find a big time offensive lineman as we talked about earlier? Do they find another big time receiver, whether it be Mike Matthews or Ryan Wingo to go with JJ Harrell? Where's Amari Jefferson play defensively? What do they, you know, you know, do they, you know, do they land Boo Carter like most expect? You know, do they continue to hit home runs in the state of Tennessee? Which means landing who you want. It's not about, you know, who you missed. It's did you land everyone you wanted? A year ago, I would argue that Tennessee landed anybody they wanted in the state of Tennessee. Two years ago, not so much. <laughs> and the difference being is the NCAA investigation, the cloud over it, that on Tennessee is able to show who they are, have some success, and they start getting traction. This year, to this point, they landed whoever they want to land. Now, they've still got some they want to land that have not gotten in that, you know, are dragging this out because they want to, you know, go through the recruiting process. They want to take their visits. And, you know, Tennessee's going to have to be patient on a few of those. Edwin Spillman, Boo Carter, Ronan O'Connell, um, you know, Amari Jefferson, all guys that Tennessee covets deeply. Um, but they can all land them either or, or two. So, like, you look at it and you go, you know, when was the last time Tennessee could, like, literally look and go, you know, they, they got everybody they wanted. They didn't really miss on anybody. It's been a minute. It's been a minute for sure. Maybe Tennessee's kind of approaching that, uh, that area once again, 2025, as you said in the video, Hey, it's, it's a couple years away, but recruiting it's never too early. Shamar or no, one of the, you know, highly rated four-star prospects in that class. He's a top 200 player nationally. Why did he choose Tennessee this early and go ahead and say, Hey, I'm done. I just felt like the time, you know, to, to get it done was now. And, you know, he and his dad, um, you know, just felt like Tennessee was the right fit. Uh, he came in last weekend, you know, thinking that was going to be the right move. And that just solidified it. Um, or to what was really two weekends ago now as we, you know, or a week and a half past that. So, um, you know, nice get for Willie Martinez, a really nice key piece. You know, you'll have to keep recruiting that one. There's going to be a lot of big time schools come after Shamar over the next few years, but uh, he really likes Tennessee a lot. And to get him in the boat, uh, you know, you probably feel a little safer with that one than you did Tony Mitchell when he committed as an eighth grader, knowing uh, he was never going to end up here uh, out of the state of Alabama. Shamar just moved to Milton, um, you know, knows some people at Tennessee uh, or with Tennessee ties. Um, so, I, again, not going to be easy. Still going to have to recruit him. But the path to keep this one long-term, I think, is definitely there. Tennessee recruiting is in full swing, and it's been really busy here in the month of March and early part of April with Tennessee football spring practice going on. Well, there's only one more week left of that. Uh, the Orange and White game is coming up on Saturday, and we're going to discuss what we've learned from spring practice so far and who are some of those players that have stood out to us and who are some of those players that need a good last week. Uh, coming up next here on the VolQuest podcast, but every single Tuesday and Thursday, it's the VolQuest podcast presented by our friends over at Exterior Home Solutions.
stressful. That's why it's important to find someone who offers efficient, quality work with financing options. Exterior Home Solutions, they value not only family, but community. And they're who I call when life happens, and you should too. That's called the a jump practice. cut, baby. That's, I wear the same quarter zip. Son, <laughs> you're wearing the same quarter zip. That's almost Actually, like you wearing I've only got a billion of them over there. <laughs> Spring practice last week here this week for Tennessee football. Practicing today on a Tuesday, Thursday. They'll have their fast Friday. And then the orange and white game is coming up on Why Saturday. Why do they not eat on Friday? Say what? Why do they not eat on Friday? I don't know. I eat every Friday. Hub's got it. Oh, Hub's the only one that gets it. I got it. Keep rolling. Who were some of the guys, Brent? We'll start with you. We'll let Austin settle down for a minute. Who were some of the guys who, so far through you know three weeks or whatever, however long it's been, who were some of the guys who have made their case to you know move up the depth chart, who have really shown out and done done a really nice job here in spring? And maybe that doesn't translate into snaps in the fall, but you know, guys, Tennessee feels good about after this last three weeks or so. Well, I mean, I think the transfers have done a nice job. When you talk about. Um, you know, Judy Lolly in, in the secondary. And, and I think even though he didn't scrimmage on Thursday, I think Keenan Peely uh, has certainly shown that that he's going to be able to help them and play at the linebacker position. That adjustment has gone well. Um, I think Ramel Keaton continues to grant, say, hey, don't forget about me. While everybody else is talking about other players, Ramel just kind of keeps, you know, making some plays out there for Tennessee. Not a superstar but a guy you're going to be able to count on. And, and a guy who made a lot of key plays last year, I think he's playing with more confidence than he's probably ever played with. The Ramel Keaton play that will forever stand out in my mind, not only the, the diving catch against Florida, but the way he just got up and just signaled first down. Like it was like, you know, second and four and he caught a five yard pass. But I think, well, it was a Kelsey Pope early last week, just talking about the veteran presence of Ramel Keaton and how, you know, some young guys can get excited or some young guys can, you know, kind of get lost in the moment and, you know, not really know what they're doing out there. And to have a veteran like Ramel Keaton, who's never really too high, uh, never really too low, uh, I think that's a guy that just the steadiness there is kind of underrated and, and not talked about enough. I don't know. That's, that's when I look at Ramel Keaton, it's just that, that veteran presence and that kind of even kill that I think a lot of position groups need. And, and I think he's more confident, Hubbard, because the guy pulling the trigger is, is somebody he's very comfortable with, and that's Joe Milton. You know, I, I think it wouldn't matter who the quarterback is. I mean, he, he had success with Hendon, too. But I, I think there's a connection there between Milton and and Ramel that, uh, you know, I, it's kind of like kind of like there was for Hendon Hooker and Cedric Tillman. Like, I, I think there was kind of an unspoken, like, I got your back. I know you got my back. You know, when, when, when things get tough, look my way. And, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. I was just saying, and I think that, that 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 helps the confidence. Yeah, I think he's just crafty. You know, he's a guy who knows how to get open. Joe knows exactly where the route's going to be, where he wants the ball, how he's going to get open in a route. And he did a solid job making some guys miss on, on a few plays last year. He's never going to go for 250 and five touchdowns or anything like that, but he's going to be a really nice move-the-chains kind of guy and, and a guy that you're, you're comfortable with in, in critical situations because – He's been really good in in, the, in those types of plays. You know, when when the game's on the line or a possession's on the line, he, he's been good in those spots. Eric, you were asking about other players. I'll tell you a young player who I think is having a solid spring, and, and he's being almost forced to have a solid spring, and that's Addison Nichols. Um, I, I think Tennessee is really, really trying to build the depth there on the offensive line, and I think he's a guy 
Austin, it feels like they're forcing, right? I mean, they, they hold Cooper Mays out of the scrimmage to, in part so Addison Nichols can get all the reps that he can at center. And I think Addison's going to factor into the guard competition when we get to fall camp. This has been a this has been a kind of we're going to we're going to get you ready. You just just hang on because you're going to get all the reps you can handle this spring. And, and I think he's ultimately going to benefit from that, Austin. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, I, I think that they first wanted to get him to lock him in as kind of Cooper's number two. Um, and then after that, and when he gets to fall camp, if you're Ollie Lane, Jackson Lampley, Andre Carrick, it's another body you're going to have to, you know, fend off for that left guard spot. Cause I do think that he'll be, you know, put in a position there to see what he can do. And, uh, you know, again, Tennessee's going to have options at left guard. You know, the question is, it's kind of who can be consistent and then who can um, give them the most, uh, I guess, comfort level there. And and who's, who's Cooper want um, in between he and, and likely John Campbell? Grant, I want to get your thoughts on some guys who you've been impressed with so far. But kind of on that note, left guard, you brought up Addison Nichols who has done a nice job, you know, probably being Cooper's number two, could factor in at left guard. But, Brent, kind of where are we at left guard right now? I mean, it's very much unsettled. There's not going to be a starter coming out of spring practice. But with the Ollie Lanes, with the Andre Keurigs, the new guy, with the Jackson Lampleys, um, kind of where are we in spring practice at the left guard spot? You got four guys going to probably leave spring as guys that are competing for the job. And I think that, you know, one of the topics, Grant, that we're going to be asking – Josh Heupel and Joey Halsley and and Glenn Ellerby about early in fall campus. When do you need to settle in on five for continuity? Right. I mean, it's the it's an it's an annual question, isn't it, Grant? Like like when are you now? Last year maybe not so much because they were pretty settled across the board. But it seems like most every year you're, you're asking the question, when do you need to settle in on your five for continuity? That's going to be the question of fall camp for this offense. See, here's the problem with spring football. We see football, uh, and we talk about football, and we ask coaches football questions, but you never really get any concrete answers in spring, right? Who, who's ever won a job in spring football? So whatever, because nothing really gets – Right. You know, the issue's never forced because we're not going to see a full practice. We're not really even going to see anything in the orange and white game that resembles, a, you know, 11 on 11, good on good, whatever, uh, that stuff that we maybe saw, you know, years past in spring game. So you just take all these questions that we have, to fall camp right now, like the offensive line, like those offensive line uh, competitions that you're talking about. Eric, uh, do you ask me for a name, somebody that's been impressed? Dylan Sampson, because it feels like he's kind of the old guy on the field right now for those running backs, and he's only been here for a year. Yeah. <laughs> because Jabari Small sidelined, and what's Jalen Wright doing? And he's got Cam and, and, and Deshaun Bishop behind him. So suddenly, what what you know, the difference a year makes, suddenly it feels like he's kind of – because I don't think he has to – he didn't have anything to prove to me based on some of the stuff we saw and heard about him during his freshman season. But now it seems like he's kind of that veteran for a minute, not in the meeting room or anything like that, where the, all those guys are. But the, in terms of guys getting reps and having to do stuff in practice, I, I, would, I would throw Dylan's name out there. Yeah, and to add on to what Grant just said, I think that's why Jabari Small has got to have his head on a swivel come fall camp because he's going to have to be really good. I mean, I think he'll kind of get plugged back into that role he's been in along with Jalen Wright, but Dylan Sampson's had such a productive spring and the young guys behind him, but I don't really think about them as much as I do Dylan Sampson. If I'm Jabari Small, that's the guy I'm worried about taking some of my reps. And, you know, a year ago, it was the pass protection. You go back to that LSU game where he got hand and obliterated. 
that kind of, you know, kept him off there for a, a little while. He started to get a little more run late in the year. But now I don't think that's an issue anymore. And, and I think that's where, you know, to Grant's point, this kind of spring can really springboard him um, into more reps in the fall. And likely whose reps are they going to be? Probably going to be Jabari Smalls to a degree. Well, and what a luxury Tennessee's at right now, Eric, and, and everybody, where they're in a situation where they can basically bubble wrap somebody for spring practice. Yeah. And put them on the shelf. That's how we did when we put you up on that roof for that exterior home solution. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it's, it's, been, it, it's, it's been a long time since Tennessee has said, hey, let's just hold. I mean, they held two linebackers on Thursday who could have scrimmaged and basically it gives Aaron Carter and it gives Jeremiah T Lander and it gives, you know, Elijah Herring and, and Caleb Perry, all the opportunities to do that. I mean, two years ago, they didn't have anybody or last year, two years ago, they didn't have anybody to line up at that linebackers position. And everybody's trying to learn a defense that they didn't know. Now you've got continuity grant. Now you've got some depth. You've got 20 newcomers, and really this spring has turned a lot into all about those newcomers, getting them as many reps as, as they can get. That, that doesn't mean guys aren't working individually to get better, but don't get a guy hurt and give all those young guys as much reps, as many reps as you can to build depth, particularly in scrimmage situations. And, and how long has it been since it's been like that? I mean, long time. number of years. I mean, even under Jeremy, was there springs where they had enough guys to just, like you said, basically put your veterans on the sideline and see what you can do. Yeah, he was putting in every year. I mean, so you had to play your starters in spring because they were learning the new system. You know, basically every year he was a coach here. Um, As you went, you know, the first year it was learn what Tyson Helton does, and then he's out, and it's learn what Jim Chaney does, and then obviously we're at the finish line at, at that point. But you go back and look, Derek Dooley had the same situation, right? Out, out as your defensive coordinator. You got it one year. You got a brand new defense you're putting in. Part of this is not just improved depth, you know, and having some veterans come back, but you're doing the same thing for multiple years, and that just didn't. That just hasn't happened enough in Tennessee's program. So you had to play your veterans. Your quarterback Austin had to get all the reps because he learned a new offense. And, now that's not the case here. Well, and even if the coordinator didn't change a ton, the position coach has changed too frequent. And it's yeah. a different voice delivering the message and, and, and the way he coaches and the way he, you know, platoons his players, you know. Um, it, 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 there's been so much change. That, I mean, I, I'll continue to beat the drum of – I mean, Tennessee, when, when Phillip was fired in 08, from Dan Brooks, the next six years, Tennessee had a different defensive line coach every year. Six straight years or what they call a COVID senior now. <laughs> hey, I feel uh, like we should, should we knock on wood or something like, you know, how many strength coaches were their hubs? I mean, this guy, the new strength coach, this Kerr guy, nobody knows him. And I think it's the best thing going because nobody's sitting there analyzing, you know. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Grant, to your point, knock on, knock on wood, knock on your head, knock. I mean, and again, that, that's a, it's a huge reason why Tennessee has put themselves in a position to be talked about the way that they are. And it's given them the ability to focus on a bunch of young players because guys aren't having to worry about how something's blocked up, right? Guys not have, I mean, it's just a different, um, 
it's just it's fun. I mean, it, it's different, and and it's a good thing for Tennessee fans out there because it gives you a chance to really grow and develop. The continuity right. benefits benefits us the most. Let's let's not get that twisted. The the people trying to cover the team are the ones that benefit most. Good for oh, the football yeah. program, but it, but it's our sanity we're worried about here. <laughs> Selfishly, right? Absolutely, yes, right? AP? Very. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean, yes and no. I mean, Grant's right. It does help, but I mean, at the same time, I mean, once you've made relationships with one or three or five or twelve, like another one doesn't really ever enter my mind. So I mean, it's like, you know, I, you, I, you, I kind of go in, going, you know, I, I tell every coach going in when I meet them, I'll be here long after you're gone, <laughs> 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 and that's kind of the truth. I mean, you know, that, that's how it works. But it, but it has been, it has been selfishly, it has been nice not having to try to get to know and and try to build trust with with a bunch of new people each and every year the last couple of years so selfish i was gonna say a couple more practices left selfishly is the morning practices that's <laughs> oh that's 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 the best i mean even when i was doing morning radio like it was it was, it was the absolute best because it allows you to do two jobs at once and you did morning you know, radio when I was doing morning radio, it was it was still the best. And if I ever have kids one day and they go back to afternoon practices, that's going to be the absolute worst. So it's, it's been great. Which part's uh, going to be the worst? Having kids or having afternoon practices? I haven't decided yet. Answer both. carefully. Chris is watching. <laughs> both both so, give me some tears. Yeah, answer um, carefully after spending the weekend at a one year old's birthday party. I know. I know. <laughs> Yeah, now that scares. I mean, you, you ever talk about birth control going to a one year old's uh, one year old's birthday party? Good no, God! Birth control is like going to a three or four year old's birthday party. A one year old barely can walk, and it's just smashing a cake. But all the other rugrats that were there, I mean, it was. It was then crazy, they're not talking man. about one year olds. <laughs> um, a couple of practices left. Uh, the secondary is obviously a position group that has a whole lot of questions. Willie Martinez said. Last week, hey, there's no ones, there's no twos, there's no threes. He's been mixing and matching those groups, even in the scrimmages. Um, obviously, you're trying, you feel you, you like Gabe Judy Lolly, what he's brought so far this spring. That we can all can agree that Danico Slaughter is is, is looked pretty good when we've, when we've been out there at practice. Heard some good things about some of those freshman corners. But what about that safety spot? Okay, you got McCullough, you got Wesley Walker, Andre Tarantine. Um, you've got Jordan Thomas, who's a little bit of safety, obviously doing some star as well. Christian Charles is back in that mix. Brent, where are we at safety right now entering the orange and white game? Hodgepodge. Got a bunch of puzzle pieces. Not sure where everybody's going to fit. I mean, I don't know. Has, there, has like there been any clarity this spring? No. I mean, Wesley Walker's going to play. I mean, I, no. I think that, you know, he's got experience and, and he's going to factor in. We'll see what happens with the other side with – with Jalen McCollum, we'll see how much they rotate. We'll see where Christian Charles is. He's got to stay healthy if he's going to have a chance to to be a factor in at the safety position. I I think Turrentine's got to get much more focused. I don't think he's made a move this spring. I don't think he's capitalized on on whatever opportunities the way he should have or the way he needed to. I'm not saying he can't play or he's not going to factor in, but I I think he's got to be a a little more dialed in than what he's been. I like Jordan Thomas. and we'll see. I mean, what's interesting about the secondary, when you look at it, you talk about all these puzzle pieces, but really, I mean, I think we'll all agree. Danico Slaughter is going to play one corner position to Mary McDonald's back at the nickel spot. He's, I think he's going to hold down the nickel spot. You think you got Gabe Judy Lawley on the other side, who's started a bunch of games. He would make the most sense at the other corner. And then you got Wesley Walker. You're suddenly a 
pretty experienced secondary when, when you think about it. Now, you got a bunch of newcomers, and we'll see who the other safety is. I mean, McCullough's got more experience than, than um, Austin's got on golf courses in Knoxville the last 20 years. Um, you know, and we'll, we'll see where they are. But, but suddenly, Grant, you're, you're, you're a little more experienced than maybe people think you're going to be in the secondary. Now, maybe they all haven't played here, but when you look at it, I mean, Danico Slaughter is probably the least experienced, and he's the guy with the starts that's got the most momentum at the corner position. Now, who's been here 20 years, though? Are you talking about Austin or are you talking about McCullough in terms of this golf course experience? I had a close race. <laughs> I think Austin's got him by a couple of years. But, his, uh, his point is, is I don't play a lot of golf in Knoxville. That, that, uh, actually, that was my first thought. I said, why are you limiting this to Knoxville? This is not where Austin well, Price's golf course focuses. I could just say Austin Price's golf courses because then there's no comparison in that analogy because – you know, Austin's playing all over the world um, and, and doing all of his golf stuff. So that, that didn't work. So I, I did limit it to the, the Knoxville courses where he doesn't play. The, the point being, Jalen McCall's got a lot of experience. Wesley Walker's got a ton of experience going back to his Georgia Tech days. I mean, Judy Lawley played at Vanderbilt. He played at, at BYU. He's got a lot of experience. And Danico Slaughter had as much momentum as anybody at, at the position when spring practice or when fall the regular season ended or the bowl game ended. I mean, yeah, it sounds good when you lay it out like that. And you, and you mentioned all that experience and, and what Austin talked about Gabe earlier. And, and I agree that Danico might be the least experienced, but maybe the most exciting or intriguing in terms of you want to see him uh, and you want to see what he can do. Eric, you grab the Roku remote. Are you about to turn us off or are we good? <laughs> <laughs> no, you're good for now. You're walking. Well, so then, I mean, yeah. I, don't, I, mean, spring, I wasn't sure if that was a remote or not. <laughs> there it is i mean it's it's spring football like th those defensive back questions they're just going to pick right back up and fall but i do think you know off the, the five that on the offensive line that brent talked about earlier which five are you gonna at what point do you cut those down and then defensive backs like yeah there's a lot of experience there's a lot of names but but can they be more productive uh, when they pick back up in the fall because of how much you know that question had to be answered you know last fall and again, you go not just those guys that you just laid out right there, and that's kind of the thing I was going to say, Grant. Like, you look behind those guys, and, you know, in camp right now, you've got Warren Burrell, who's been a multi-year starter, who, you know, is limited a little bit, but he's he's there. Kamal Haddon is still there. You got Brandon Turnage, who did a lot of good things, just can never stay healthy or stay consistent. He's there. I mean, again, you've got guys who, in the grand scheme of things, they've got to find a way to be consistent because they weren't last year, but you still have a whole lot of experience even behind those guys, uh, Brent, that you just didn't have a couple of years ago. Yeah, but guess what's coming on April 15th? The old portal window. Up. My wife's yep. birthday? No. The, game? the portal window is opening up, so we'll see. Yeah, Is there movement? Does that change what your depth looks like? Because you, you can, Austin, suddenly ride out there. Hey, you got eight guys who have played a lot of football. Are those all those guys going to stay and be a part? We'll, we'll see. Will this be a big portal season in college football? Or will there be minimal numbers of guys who go in the portal post-spring? What is there, 17 spring games on Saturday? Yeah. Something like that? So everybody's winding it up. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I can't imagine that somebody in that secondary doesn't go in. I mean, when you when you start laying them all out, and Hubs does present a great case for those, you know, what the lineup he presented, right? Great case. But then all of a sudden you talk about Burrell and, Haddon and Turnage and and, it's, and and Christian Charles and all these guys, and you're just like, 
Like somebody, somebody's leaving. Like somebody's not going to sit here and go through all this to not play and waste eligibility. But hey, I say the same thing about the Georgia quarterback position, and you know I'm not sure any of those guys are going to leave. And I think they may just stick it out for fall after all. And when that happens, you have two, three young cornerbacks that you really, really like that have gotten here a semester early and gotten in the role, role of things and had done some good things. So um, that, that's that's college football for you. Big week coming up, Tennessee football, orange and white game on Saturday, and Volquez will have all that coverage there. Before we call it quits here today, uh, Grant, any updates on Tennessee basketball, transfer portal, seniors with decisions to make? What's What's kind of the update here early in the week? Speaking of my sanity, no, there's no update uh, as far as I know. We're recording this on a Monday morning. As of Sunday, there was no, you know, as of, you know, going into Friday two weeks ago, they were looking for an answer from Santiago Vespi. They didn't have one. This past Friday, they are hoping to get an answer from Santiago Vespi. They didn't have one. I think you won't have an answer from Josiah until he goes through the, the process and sees what kind of feedback he gets and what the next step might be for him. Uh, they need to know, like we've been saying repeatedly, uh, they got to know something yesterday, basically, because you're trying to build a roster uh, and everybody's been working in the portal for the last, you know, month now. But Tennessee's working in the portal, too. They'll have Chris Ledlam here, the Harvard forward uh, for the weekend. Uh, they're trying to get Caleb Mills here for the Florida State transfer for the weekend, but that was kind of one of those things where they went into that this past weekend knowing that he was going to be at Memphis and it might be hard to get him out of that Memphis visit, and he ends up committing to Memphis. Uh, there's a guard at North Texas, Tyler Perry, that they're after, very productive, Conference USA player of the year a guy that led north texas to the nit title junior college guy there's a kid at northern colorado dalton connect i think his name is i don't know how to say it but he averaged 20 and 7 really good pick and roll kind of wing guy he's a, he's a guy that uh, would be uh, a highly sought after guy there's a guy at iowa state caleb grill that they're kind of talking to and trying to figure out what santi's going to do and what kind of uh, need they're going to have a guard and then you, you got to watch portals for you know guys like bj edwards and kind of the guys that you're worried about and trying to figure out what they're going to do uh, from tennessee's side of it there's a bunch of stuff about julian phillips and the portal and auburn and last i checked uh, what i know tennessee staff would be surprised if he entered the portal i don't know how there's a big auburn connection there if he's not already in the portal uh, how stuff like that's you know kind of shaking now but Really, there's nothing from Santi. There's not going to be anything from Joe for a while. Uh, Olivier's not going to play college basketball next year as far as I know. I think he's going pro. Rush won't be back. Um, so you're waiting to see what Julian does. You're waiting to see what Santi does. And you're trying to get these guys on a visit. They've got a Zoom meeting with the Northern Colorado kid, Dalton Connect, on Tuesday. Uh, and they're trying to get Tyler Perry on campus. Uh, so we'll see what happens there. So there's a few names that they're juggling. And then they're trying to wait and get some feedback. I know we're about out of time here, Eric. But I both for Austin and Grant, does maybe I'm wrong here? Feels like basketball portal is different than football portal. From the standpoint, a lot of these guys are committing quick without doing a whole lot of visit stuff. The football thing has kind of turned in take taking another five official visits or three <laughs> official visits, four school, baby. days, whatever. It doesn't feel like that way in basketball. Am I wrong? And if if I'm not wrong, why do you think that's the case? Either one of you guys or both of you jump in there. It felt like last year, Grant, that some guys, I mean, you know, Chris Hunter came and took visits. I mean, it felt like people took visits a year ago. Um, maybe it wasn't five, uh, you know, but I, I do think that, you know, Hubs has got a the kind of right notion. It does feel different. I don't know if it's that drastic to where, the, you know, maybe you're looking at the kid that committed to Memphis as more of a standalone, um, but it, it definitely feels different. 
Yeah, and I think it – I mean, I think, honestly, high school recruiting as well, football and, and basketball kids just seem to be wired differently, and they seem to handle the recruiting process differently. Uh, and I think that translates to handling the portal process. It does feel like in college basketball, a lot of times there's there's a program that, that everybody's kind of looking at when a team – when a kid does enter the portal. Like, if he enters the portal, look out for this school. Uh, I don't know if that's the case with football as much as it is with basketball. But, no, it doesn't feel like there's the – the five visits and we'll see what happens. Now, Chris Ludlam, the kid from uh, Harvard, he's been on an Indiana visit and he's had St. John's on his radar in Michigan state. And he's taking his time with this process and, and he stretched it out because Tennessee was in Boston to see him the day after the Florida Atlantic loss. So, so it's been a little bit on him, but I think for the most part, yeah, it doesn't feel like uh, they're going to take those five visits and they're going to stretch it out and they're going to make it a, a big process. It just feels like they kind of know what's going to happen or, or who might be on their radar once they enter the portal. But I think that also kind of feels like, how kind of high school kids do it where it's not a, I don't know, it just seems a lot different in high school basketball recruiting opposed to football, just in terms of how they're wired and how they handle the process. It just seems like two very different uh, groups of athletes. Well, and let's face it too, and I know we're up against it. Let's face it too. The the AU coach, the handler game has right. always been a lot stronger in basketball. So you could potentially be seeing a lot of that going on right now, even on Tennessee's team. I think there are players that have people around them that are pushing them to leave, you know, and, and we'll see if they do or we'll see if they stay. Like a guy like Jonas Adu, I don't think that that's some lock that he's back. We'll see if he is. Um, but I, I think it's definitely something you have to, you know, if you're a Tennessee fan, you, you, you understand that your team year to year in basketball especially could look drastically different. What I've told people, it's like NBA free agency, except there's no contracts. Everybody's on a one-year deal. You finish your season, and, you know, if you played a bigger piece uh, of the puzzle on the floor, you're going to want a bigger piece off the floor, and you're going to want some NIL money. And, and you know, I mean, you can basically leverage your way into saying, I want some NIL money, or I'm going to enter the portal. I mean, you can, you can threaten that, or you can just enter the portal. But every year, it's going to feel like free agency. And when you only have 13 scholarships, it's, it's not hard to turn over that roster every year and for it to be crazy. I think it'll settle down at some point a little bit or, or maybe become more normal and we'll get used to what's going on here. But right now, it seems like it just gets crazier every year. As we say goodbye here, I do have one more question for Grant. Grant, are you, uh, you excited about Eastern Kentucky coming up? I am excited. Uh, sorry, Eric. My bad. Didn't mean to slide into the Lindsey Nelson press box. And the Eric K. Memorial seats. I'm not allowed back in, am I? Right behind that post, you can't see anything anyway, so what's the matter? If you went off the views for the Craven Wings extra innings, you would not be allowed back. Well, Thank you. I think a win appreciate and a loss it. has something to do with that as well. But, yes, you are correct. Uh, Grant, appreciate you uh, filling in. Tennessee avoided the sweep. And, uh, again, the, the slate does not get any easier on the road to another top ten showdown at Arkansas here coming up this weekend. Orange-white game on Saturday. And we'll be back for the Mailbag Podcast coming up on Thursday. For Austin Price, Grant Ramey, Brent Hubbs, I am Eric Kane. A big shout-out, as always, to our presenting sponsor of the podcast. That is Exterior Home Solutions, 865-524-5888. 865-524-5888. Give them a call today for a free estimate. Appreciate you guys. We'll be back on Thursday here on the Ball Quest Podcast. You've been listening to the Ball Quest podcast every week here on Ball Quest.